0: to Episode 9 of the Dose of Joy podcast, our final single-digit episode. It'll take quite a while to reach the triple digits, so I'm marking this crossing from single to double digits. I'm your host, Joy Huber. I appreciate you listening in, as I know it's a very busy time of year. When many shows are taking holiday breaks, I am working. Working hard to produce fresh content for you. As I know firsthand from my personal experience with stage 4 cancer, cancer doesn't wait. November is Stomach Cancer Month, and according to NoStomachForCancer.org, which I'll share on the Dose of Joy podcast Facebook page that I'm sure you've all liked by now, so you're plugged in, November is a month known for the pleasure of eating and is the ideal month to raise awareness about gastric cancer. Let's start by learning more about the stomach. According to an About Stomach Cancer page from the American Cancer Society that I'll share on the podcast's Facebook page this week, the stomach is a sac-like organ that's an important part of the digestive system. After food is chewed and swallowed, it enters the esophagus, a tube that carries food through the throat and chest to the stomach. The esophagus joins the stomach at the gastroesophageal, GE junction, which is just beneath the diaphragm, the thin sheet of breathing muscle under the lungs. The stomach then starts to digest the food by secreting gastric juice. Stomach cancers tend to develop slowly over many years. Before a true cancer develops, precancerous changes often occur in the inner lining mucosa of the stomach. These early changes rarely cause symptoms, so they often go undetected. A statistics page about stomach cancer at cancer.org that I'll share says, The American Cancer Society's estimates for stomach cancer, also known as gastric cancer, in the United States for 2021 are about 26,560 new cases of stomach cancer, 16,160 in men and 10,400 in women. Stomach cancer accounts for about 1.5% of all new cancers diagnosed in the U.S. each year. And as for who gets stomach cancer, stomach cancer mostly affects older people. The average age of people when they are diagnosed is 68. About 6 of every 10 people diagnosed with stomach cancer each year are 65 or older. The lifetime risk of developing stomach cancer is higher in men, about 1 in 96, than in women, about 1 in 152. But each person's risk can be affected by many other factors. And for stomach cancer trends over time... In the U.S., the number of new cases of stomach cancer has been dropping by about 1.5% each year over the last 10 years. For much of the early 20th century, stomach cancer was the leading cause of cancer death in the United States, but today it is well down on this list. The reasons for this aren't completely clear, but a main factor that could be important in the decline is the increased use of refrigeration for food storage, which has led to people eating fewer salted and smoked foods known risk factors for stomach cancer. Let's get into some of the other risk factors for stomach cancer. I'll share the page with the whole list on the Dose of Joy podcast Facebook page this week, but here's a few from the American Cancer Society I want to highlight. Keep in mind, a risk factor is anything that raises your chances of getting a disease, such as cancer. Different cancers have different risk factors. Some risk factors, like smoking, can be changed. We talked about the Freedom from Smoking program earlier this month in the lung cancer episode. If you want to go back and listen into that one, Others, like a person's age or family history, can't be changed. But having a risk factor or even several risk factors does not mean that you will get the disease. Many people with one or more risk factors never get cancer, while others who get cancer may have had few or no known risk factors. Scientists have found several risk factors that make a person more likely to get stomach cancer. Some of these can be controlled, but others cannot. Gender. Stomach cancer is more common in men than in women. Age. Stomach cancer can occur in younger people, but the risk goes up as a person gets older. Most people diagnosed with stomach cancer are in their 60s, 70s, or 80s. Ethnicity. In the United States, stomach cancer is more common in Hispanic Americans, African Americans, Native Americans, and Asian Pacific Islanders than it is in non-Hispanic whites. Geography. Worldwide, stomach cancer is more common in East Asia, Eastern Europe, and South and Central America. This disease is less common in Africa and North America. Being overweight or obese. Being overweight or obese is linked with an increased risk of cancers of the cardia, the upper part of the stomach near the esophagus. Diet. Stomach cancer risk is increased in people whose diets include large amounts of foods preserved by salting, such as salted fish and meat and pickled vegetables. Eating processed, grilled, or charcoaled meats regularly appears to increase risk of non-cardia stomach cancers. Eating few or no fruits likely increases the risk of stomach cancer. On the other hand, eating lots of fresh fruits, especially citrus fruits, and raw vegetables appears to lower the risk of stomach cancer. Alcohol use. Alcohol use probably increases the risk of stomach cancer. The evidence for this link is strongest for people who have three or more drinks per day. Tobacco use. Smoking increases stomach cancer risk, particularly for cancers of the upper part of the stomach near the esophagus. The rate of stomach cancer is about doubled in people who smoke. Family History of Stomach Cancer People with first-degree relatives, parents, siblings, or children who have had stomach cancer are more likely to develop this disease, even without one of the inherited cancer syndromes described previously. Still, most people who get stomach cancer do not have a family history of it. Certain occupations— Workers in the coal, metal, and rubber industries seem to have a higher risk of getting stomach cancer. Having type A blood blood type groups refer to certain substances that are normally present on the surface of red blood cells and some other types of cells. These groups are important in matching blood for transfusions. For unknown reasons, people with type A blood have a higher risk of getting stomach cancer. Now, while early-stage stomach cancer, gastric cancer, rarely causes symptoms, in countries where screening for stomach cancer is not routine, such as the United States, most stomach cancers aren't found until they've grown fairly large or have spread outside the stomach. When stomach cancer does cause signs and symptoms, they can include poor appetite, weight loss without trying, abdominal, belly pain, vague discomfort in the abdomen, usually above the navel, feeling full after eating only a small meal, heartburn or indigestion, nausea, vomiting with or without blood, swelling or fluid buildup in the abdomen, blood in the stool, feeling tired or weak as a result of having too few red blood cells, anemia, and yellowing of the skin and eyes, jaundice, if the cancer spreads to the liver. Most of these symptoms are more likely to be caused by things other than stomach cancer, such as a viral infection or an ulcer. Some of these symptoms may also be caused by other types of cancer. But people who have any of these problems, especially if they don't go away or get worse, should see a doctor so the cause can be found and treated if needed. Up next, I'll share some of the tests for stomach cancer. The link to the full page from the American Cancer Society will be shared on the podcast Facebook page this week. Stomach cancer, also known as gastric cancer, is usually found when a person goes to the doctor because of signs or symptoms they are having. If stomach cancer is suspected, exams and tests will be needed to find out for sure. If cancer is found, other tests might then be needed to learn more about it. Medical history, physical exam, and tests to look for bleeding. When taking your medical history, the doctor will ask about your symptoms, such as eating problems, pain, bloating, etc., and possible risk factors to see if they might suggest stomach cancer or another cause. The physical exam can give your doctor information about possible signs of stomach cancer or other health problems. In particular, the doctor will feel your belly for anything abnormal. The doctor might order a blood test to look for anemia, a low red blood cell count, which could be caused by the cancer bleeding into the stomach. A test might also be done to look for blood in your stool, feces that can't be seen by the naked eye, which could also be a sign of bleeding in the stomach. If your doctor thinks you might have stomach cancer or another type of stomach problem, he or she will likely refer you to a gastroenterologist, a doctor who treats diseases of the digestive tract, who will examine you and might do further testing. An upper endoscopy is the test most often done if the doctor thinks you might have stomach cancer. During this test, the doctor passes an endoscope, which is a thin, flexible, lighted tube with a small video camera on the end down your throat. This lets the doctor see the inner lining of your esophagus, stomach, and the first part of the small intestine. If abnormal areas are seen, biopsy samples can be removed using instruments passed through the endoscope. The tissue samples are sent to a lab where they are looked at with a microscope to see if they contain cancer. Unfortunately, some types of stomach cancers can be hard to see during an endoscopy. Endoscopy can also be used as part of a special imaging test known as an endoscopic ultrasound, which is described here shortly. In some situations, endoscopy can be used to help remove very early-stage cancers. It can also be used to help prevent or relieve symptoms or other complications from stomach cancer without the need for more extensive surgery. You will most likely be given medicine to make you sleepy, sedation, before the endoscopy. Biopsy Your doctor may suspect cancer if an abnormal-looking area is seen on endoscopy or an imaging test, but the only way to tell for sure if it's cancer is by doing a biopsy. During a biopsy, the doctor removes small pieces, samples, of the abnormal area. Biopsy samples are sent to a lab to be looked at under a microscope. The samples are checked to see if they contain cancer, and if they do, what kind it is. If stomach cancer is found, more lab tests may be done on the biopsy samples to learn more about the cancer cells. This might affect how the cancer is treated. HER2 testing, or HER2 testing. The cancer cells may be tested to see if they have too much of a growth-promoting protein called HER2. Cancers with increased levels of HER2 are called HER2-positive. These cancers can be treated with drugs that target the HER2 protein. Testing for Other Gene or Protein Changes The cancer cells may also be tested for other gene or protein changes that might affect treatment. There's also imaging tests that use x-rays, magnetic fields, sound waves, or radioactive substances to create pictures of the inside of your body. The upper gastrointestinal GI series is an x-ray test to look at the inner lining of the esophagus, stomach, and the first part of the small intestine. This test is used less often than upper endoscopy to look for stomach cancer or other stomach problems as it can miss some abnormal areas, and it doesn't allow the doctor to take biopsy samples. But it is less invasive than endoscopy and it might be useful in some situations. Computed tomography, CT, or CAT scan. A CT scan uses X rays to make detailed cross sectional images of the soft tissues in the body. CT scans can show the stomach fairly clearly and often can confirm the location of a cancer. CT scans can also show other parts of the body to which stomach cancer might have spread, such as the liver and nearby lymph nodes. This can help determine the extent, stage, of the cancer and if surgery may be a good treatment option. Endoscopic ultrasound Endoscopic ultrasound is often used to see how far a cancer might have spread into the wall of the stomach or into nearby areas or nearby lymph nodes. For this test, a small ultrasound probe is placed on the tip of an endoscope. While you are sedated, the endoscope is passed down your throat and into the stomach. The probe is put up against the wall of the stomach where the cancer is. It gives off sound waves and detects the echoes as they bounce back, which are then converted into images. Doctors can use these images to look at the layers of the stomach wall, as well as the nearby lymph nodes and other structures just outside the stomach. Positron Emission Tomography Pet Scan A PET scan can be useful to help determine the extent of the cancer in the body. For this test, you are injected with a slightly radioactive form of sugar, which collects mainly in cancer cells. A special camera is then used to create a picture of areas of radioactivity in the body. The picture is not detailed like a CT or MRI scan, but a PET scan can look for possible areas of cancer spread in all areas of the body at once. Many newer machines can do both a PET and CT scan at the same time, PET CT scan. This lets the doctor see areas that light up on the PET scan in more detail. Although PET scans can be useful for finding areas of cancer spread, they aren't always helpful in certain kinds of stomach cancer because some types don't take up much of the radioactive sugar. Magnetic Resonance Imaging, MRI. Like a CT scan, an MRI can show detailed images of soft tissues in the body but MRIs use radio waves and strong magnets instead of x-rays. This test is not used as often as CT scans to look for stomach cancer, but it may be helpful in certain situations, such as when looking for tumors in the liver. Chest x-ray This test can help show if the cancer has spread to the lungs. It might also be used to help determine if a person has any serious lung or heart diseases, which might affect whether surgery would be a treatment option. Laparoscopy If stomach cancer has already been found and imaging tests such as CT or PET scans have not shown it has spread to other parts of the body, doctors might do a laparoscopy before any other surgery. This can help confirm the cancer is still only in the stomach, which means surgery to remove it might still be an option. This procedure is done in an operating room while you are under general anesthesia in a deep sleep. A laparoscope, a thin, flexible tube with a small video camera on the end, is inserted through a small cut in the belly. This lets the doctor look closely at the surfaces of the organs and nearby lymph nodes inside the abdomen, or even remove small samples of tissue, which can then be tested for cancer. If it doesn't look like the cancer has spread, sometimes the doctor will wash the abdomen with saline, salt water. This is called peritoneal washing. The fluid is then collected and checked for cancer cells. Sometimes laparoscopy is combined with ultrasound to give a better picture of the cancer. Tests of organ function. If cancer is found, the doctor might recommend certain lab tests, especially if surgery might be an option. For instance, blood tests will be done to make sure your liver and kidneys are working normally and that your blood clots normally. If surgery is planned or you are going to get medicines that can affect the heart, you may also have an electrocardiogram, EKG, and or an echocardiogram, an ultrasound of the heart, to make sure your heart is functioning well. There's a helpful page of questions to ask on the American Cancer Society website that I will share on the Dose of Joy podcast Facebook page this week, but here's a few I wanted to call out for you. When you're told you have stomach cancer, good questions to ask may include. What kind of stomach cancer do I have? Where is the cancer in my stomach? What is the stage of my cancer, and what does that mean in my case? Are there other tests that need to be done before we can decide on treatment? How much experience do you have treating this type of cancer? When deciding on a treatment plan, you may wish to ask, What treatment choices do I have? What do you recommend and why? What is the goal of treatment to cure the cancer, slow its growth, ease symptoms, etc.? Are there any clinical trials I should think about now? How quickly do we need to decide on treatment? And during treatment, questions you want to think about asking include... How will we know if the treatment is working? Is there anything I can do to help manage side effects? What symptoms or side effects should I tell you about right away? How can I reach you or someone on your team on nights, weekends, or holidays? Do I need to change what I eat during treatment? Stomach cancer typically starts in the inner lining of the stomach. From there, it can grow and spread in different ways. It can grow through the wall of the stomach and into nearby organs. It might also spread to the nearby lymph nodes, bean-sized structures that help fight infections. As the cancer becomes more advanced, it can travel through the bloodstream or lymph system and spread metastasize to organs such as the liver, lungs, and bones, which can make it harder to treat. Surgery to remove the cancer is typically part of treatment if it can be done, as it offers the best chance for long-term survival but surgery might not be a good option if the cancer has spread widely or if a person isn't healthy enough for it. Other treatments such as chemotherapy and radiation therapy are often part of treatment as well, either along with or instead of surgery. Newer treatments such as targeted drugs and immunotherapy might be helpful in some situations as well. Because most people will get different types of treatment for their cancer, it's important that a team of doctors review and discuss the best options for treatment. Stomach cancer isn't common in the United States, and it can be challenging to treat. So it's important that your cancer care team is experienced in treating stomach cancer. As we wrap up another show, I want to come back to No Stomach for Cancer, as they also offer one-on-one cancer support. I will share the form you can fill out on their site on the Facebook page, but it also says you may call or text us directly at one for immediate attention. So, I wanted to pass along that number, too. Again, it's 608-692-5141. And with that, I conclude today's episode of Dose of Joy. If you enjoy the show, the best way to help is by leaving a five-star review wherever you're listening in. Also, tell someone you know facing cancer about this show so they can listen in and catch up on all the previous episodes they're interested in. Contact the show at doseofjoypodcast at hotmail.com if you're trying to reach joy. Next week, we'll be talking about hair loss, as the month of November got away from me without discussing it in length with all the Cancer Awareness Months that occurred this month. Thanks for tuning in. Wishing you a joyful life. I'm gonna laugh and I'm gonna cry. The world is waiting. See how